Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. Franchises. This week, we're we're cheating just a little bit, but it's for a good cause. Because we're we doing... Well, technically, I think yes, because the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, I think, are kind of distinct. They're 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 separate on their, all their wikis and entries, and people kind of. It's the same universe, though. But I was but no, but also, isn't it same directors? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same actors. There's all kinds of crossover. Yeah, you know? no, it's so, it, no, it's. Not I, I think technically it's not we're cheating a little bit, but my follow up to that is we make the rules. So, also come, come at me. Also, the first three movies are like six movies. <laughs> you true. If you go by runtime, this is like this is like nine or twelve movies. Um. So okay, I'm excited. Of, I, I kind of kept the, the stat lines just a little bit different to kind of help uh, um, showcase and highlight because obviously, I think if anybody is, I saw that I saw it coming. Just wanted to make sure. If, if anyone is um, familiar already, probably are one of one of these trilogies is much. Uh, more accolades and much more praise than the other, although both are enjoyable. Wait, oh, I, I'm very curious about this episode now, Gabe. Oh, okay, good. That we teased, we teased a little bit. Okay, so let's start off. Uh, years active, right? Broadly, 2001 to 2014, we have uh, both of them. Uh, it had like a, a, a three-ish year window where they boom, boom, boom came out with the movies. Tons of tie-in, like literally cannot list all the tie-in media from like video games uh, alone right, because yeah. there's a gajillion, um, especially with The Hobbit. There's a whole list of just mobile and media like uh, browser based games they did because that was the thing in 2012. Oh, and... no. So like a ton. There's a ton of tie-in media, obviously all based on works of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. So like there's real source material, not spinoff books. Um, but uh, aside from that, things that are iconic or remembered. Uh, let's let's start with you since I, I wrote this. Oh, that's a good one. So I think Smeagol and uh, and uh, his storyline. I think the, my precious. I think became like a a thing that we all said. You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Sean Bean's death also became a bit of a classic. <laughs> classic. It continued to be a thing. I think is fair. I think so because I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stay away from like oh Viggo Mortensen's uh, performance and like like things that actually became cultural and like you know um, pop culture related yeah uh, I'm trying to think anything that like you know like I think Gandalf became a meme in itself like like uh, a, a, something that that was referenced. You might not reference, you pass. yeah, you shall not pass type of yeah, thing. Whenever somebody was not allowed to go by you for any reason, you know that that was definitely it. Now, in in my own thing, right? Obviously, the performance from everybody was fantastic. I think I'm trying to think if there's anything that that like you know, smog. Uh, although, yeah, from the Hobbit, like it, it, if it became a if you could say it without having to reference everything else is what I'm thinking. I'm having to explain. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's fair. I I wrote down mostly things that I thought of personally, but I like your approach. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like how would somebody who's never seen it reference like, oh right, that movie with the thing, you know, like that type of thing. You saying that made me think of like uh, 
I still quote to this day. I do the, yes, we've had one already, but what about second breakfast <laughs> when it comes to food? And I think I think people, the second breakfast, 11Zs, all that stuff, people make jokes about so, that. So in in the Nordics, because it's so close to the, to the, there's definitely a ton of reference to that. And there is definitely a ton of love for the Lord of the Rings in the Nordics. My God. Like I do feel like Finns are are hobbits in the fact that there are seven meals in a day. Nice, they really are. Uh, but I no, but I think I, culturally, I think I'm thinking of things that that are referenced, and I think those are the things that I nail. And then without going into the specific things that I find culturally and and like you know referenceable. So yeah, yeah, uh, the things that jump to my mind that are kind of I think uh, broadly known, but less um, less about. Uh, the details there i mean uh the detail and effects like uh, like uh what a workshop on the map oh yeah yeah involved in so many like kind of like a um industrial light and magic for star wars you, you became like a sought after company you know and something you'd recognize you'd see it in a movie credit be like oh they did the effects okay just as a, a consumer which is um interesting uh, casting, it, just thinking oh, about yeah, the ensemble no. cast of movies, insane. some of whom were not household names prior, <laughs> became that. That's true. Um, it's hard to think before because you did have some some mainline talent there, but also people that relatively unknown. Um, uh, when it comes to at least the Lord of the Rings trilogy, just the awards, like they they oh, swept yeah. at one point, um, which they're like one of I think three. There's like three movies or something like that that have gotten that many awards, I want to say. I didn't look up the detail, but like it comes up in that conversation as well. So big uh, spinoffs. Uh, I kind of I, I would almost not call the TV show a spinoff, the new Amazon one, except that it has a, uh, a tie of sorts where Peter Jackson was contacted regarding it initially. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, but then according to him, there was never any follow-up. Uh, so this leads to our first fun fact, which is tied into that, which is that, quoting him, he said, they asked me if I wanted to be involved, uh, also writer-producer Fran Walsh, and I, and I said, that's an impossible question to answer without seeing a script. Uh, Jackson recalled to Scott Feinberg on the Hollywood Reporter Awards Chatter podcast. So they said, as soon as we get the first couple of scripts, we'll send them to you. And the scripts never showed up. That's the last thing I heard, which is fine. No complaints at all. Okay. So, I mean, obvious. He's the obvious choice with his pedigree, like who you would think of to be involved in something like that. I assume it would. Think. Um, there was rumors that I read that like the the um, estate didn't want him involved. I don't. That's unsubstantiated uh, from me. Like I, I read some stuff saying that like the Tolkien estate didn't want his involvement with it. There's also some weird separation between the rights that the TV show got versus the movies, because the movies had obvious rights to the book material. The oh, material. potentially. Whereas the TV show is sort of a made up within the world, not actually based directly off of anything. So I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it anyway. So it's I guess tangentially. Yeah. So one is like, uh, yeah, OK, so one is inspired One's by a direct adaptation and yeah, one is inspired by. It, yep. I can see potentially why maybe you don't want the purist to be involved yeah. in the, you know, like assumptions uh, made up, like could have happened. Yeah. And then being that guy like that comes in. Middle earth, what if. Yeah. 
being that guy that comes in, puts pushes his glasses up and goes, technically, actually. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Um, I remember specifically uh, the video games that were tied into Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. The the little side scrolling fighting games were particularly. Uh, they didn't have a fellowship one, but they had two towers, Return of the King. They were great. And those were PC when- games, right? They were on console as well. They were produced by EA back before EA was as universally hated as they are now. So they were actually pretty fun. No microtransactions. There was a strategy game, I want to say, too, that was pretty decent that I personally uh, had uh, played. Um, So and there's continued to be games there. The Shadow um, Shadows of Mordor, I think, games came out kind of recently. Not really directly tied into anything to do with the movie. Again, it's like an original story, but that universe still pokes its head up in, in modern media. All right, on to the actual movies themselves. So, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, 2001 epic fantasy adventure directed by Peter Jackson from a screenplay by Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens um, and Jackson based on the 1954 Fellowship of the Ring, first volume of the novel of uh, Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Set in Middle-earth, the story tells of the Dark Lord Sauron who seeks the One Ring, which contains part of his might to return to power. Uh, the ring has found its way to the young hobbit Frodo Baggins. The fate of Middle-earth hangs in the balance as Frodo and eight companions who form the Fellowship of the Ring begin their perilous journey to Mount Doom in the land of Mordor, the only place where the ring can be destroyed. The Fellowship of the Ring was uh, financed and distributed by American studio New Line Cinema, but filmed and edited entirely in Jackson's native New Zealand, concurrently with the other two parts of the trilogy. I mean, one of the best choices. There's no other way that you could have gotten those landscapes. No, the the well, the landscapes filming concurrently. I think it really did something like those actors. If you see them today, they're like that was an experience of a lifetime. Like those guys spent a, a year, I think, basically uh, in in New Zealand filming these movies. Wait, uh, really? Together. I really thought that was oh the filming, but then post production and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they spent a year just filming. <laughs> Okay, because I yeah. I, re- I really thought that was a longer thing because of reshoots and things like that. And prior to, I think that's just principle, like right, right, filming. right. So prior, there was also um, a bunch of training and stuff. There's a fun fact related. Okay. Uh, notable actors. Okay, get ready. I got to take Ooh, a big old breath. My gosh. Elijah Wood, Sir Ian uh, McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rhys Davies, Billy Boyd. Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Christopher Lee, Hugo Weaving, Sean Bean, Ian Holm, Andy Serkis. Ugh. Which, how many of those are now, like I said, house like household names? If you say, like, well, I mean, you look at you look at Sean Bean, like he comes from the eighties, like you know, like you knew him. royalty. Lip Tyler, I Ian think, McKellen. Was, yeah, Lip Tyler, I think, was doing fine. Ian McKellen was doing fine, but you're Hugo definitely Weaving. yeah, like he had just had he wait had the Matrix. Uh, yeah, because yes, right? the Matrix was 99, Nine, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, So he had that. Uh, Vigo was starting to come up, mm-hmm. I think. So it was definitely a breakthrough performance. Yeah, no, uh, insane cast. And that's just everyone whose face you could see, right? <laughs> Those are just like the main people. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically the main people. Even like Andy Circus at this point, like with Marvel and everything. Like he's, uh, anytime there's a guy doing mocap and it's oh, like yeah. CGI, you're like, is that Andy Circus? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think during this time, you had martial artist, um, the guy who played Darth Maul, something Park, uh, I forget his name. Ray Park. Ray Park. 
and then motion capture you had Andy Serkis, but they were not celebrities. They were just really good at their job. Really talented. Yes. Yeah. And then they blew up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think this one. So for me, uh, I, I've I probably mentioned it. I know I've mentioned it to you. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before that. I had tried to get into Lord of the Rings previously as the book, right? Because I was already a, a fantasy kid. Like I loved fantasy stories and like, you know, orcs and, and goblins and dragons. It was already, already exciting, but it, it does have a very weird beginning um, because it starts with there. There once uh, was a hobbit who lived in a hole, like not a nasty, dirty, like wet hole, but you know, and it explains how comfortable. And then it goes into a hobbit birthday party, which, you know, I don't, for like 11 year old me, was was a little bit was a little bit boring to start where was the orc killing it was to come um but seeing trailers for for the fellowship of the ring specifically i was like oh okay like we do get the good stuff all right well i i i do need to read this before it comes out because i want to know and so i have a copy of the book that i still have that is the movie it has like the cover with the ring wraith on it, soft back cover, and it's all three books in one. So it's like a Bible. <laughs> it's giant. I, I think I have uh, something similar. And I read that. It, I couldn't put it down. I read it in like a week. Like I, that's all I did. So, so it, it kicked that off for me. I, I So I had watched the 1980s uh, animated films. Mm-hmm. Um, this came out, and, and unfortunately it came out after 9-11. I think it came out like two months after 9-11, I believe. Because I, I remember, I remember yeah. it, it, like it was after the shock and I think people needed this. I think it came, uh, I, I want to say it came out after because I don't think it came out before. Yeah, release date was uh, 10 December. Yeah. So almost exactly. So I was definitely preoccupied with other things at the time. So I don't remember seeing this movie before I went overseas. But I took that same book the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lord of the Rings, the, all three of them. The trilogy, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the one of the two books that I took with me to when I went overseas. And I read it in a week, dude. Like, it was captivating. It was so, so good. And then I remember watching the films. And you know what? It was one of those things where I loved the book so much, the things they omitted were perfect. I didn't miss them. I... I they would have been appreciated, but they they were so good about like if we're gonna remove this, then it means that it impacts this, 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 and that in the storyline. And they ensured that it would not change so much by like the simple things that I remember, like the elven rope, all the things the elven rope could do in the book, very detailed, comes in handy a ton. In the movie, they never even mention it. The bread that the elvens gave them, same thing. In they the do, book, they do mention it, and it's just a little. It's, it's a, a little snippet, but in the book, they survive off of that. That's supposed to keep them fed for days, you know. Like the big, the big one for me. Uh, there's a whole sequence that um, I think I think it's the biggest sticking point for the actual like lore, like book nerds would be like Tom Bombadil's a mission. There's a whole subplot with the Barrow Downs, and that's where they get their their swords. The Hobbits. That's their, true. But like when you when you look at it from a production standpoint, like that's a whole like that's a rabbit hole you go down with no real exactly impact to the overall exactly. story. And I think and I think correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we know about the Eagles in the book early in the book so that they don't just surprise us at the end of the movie? 
I want to say I, that there was a scene where like you you they so it depends so from the hobbit you do if you read the hobbit first oh okay then maybe i'm confusing the two okay never mind never um, mind. i don't think i think there's a mention of them okay there's a okay. mention of them but there's not really a express explanation okay but you do know of them from previous yeah um, no but i was gonna say but regardless if you read the book or not though the omissions and the editing and the the, the purpose it makes sense for the medium it, it made perfect like i did not miss any of those things they stole the, they told a complete story uh, that 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 didn't feel like it was lacking or missing anything. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. I think that's the part that they did really well. I mean, it took them three and a half hours to tell it, but hey. And even the pacing in terms of stuff, some of the changes, uh, uh, where they moved things from one one book yeah. to the other in terms yeah. of it, it made sense because again, you're it's a different medium, and these guys are experts at crafting movies. Yeah. So they did a great job of that. They you're, did a you're fantastic job, dude. They did a fantastic job, and. And uh, the way it ends, also perfect. Like you were like, yeah, they they definitely closed the closed the book on part one and set you up for the 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 sequel. It, it yep. was fantastic. And and again, like you said, you go back to that casting, dude. Like like Viggo Mortensen as Aragon, and um, and Elijah Wood. I mean, just incredible casting, and the, just the look too. I mean, it's just yeah. Uh- Particularly for me, I know um, Strider slash Aragorn uh, really, really captured exactly what I pictured in my head when I read the book. I mean, they all did the casting and the costume and all that was. But like uh, Lord of the Rings is 100% responsible for my personal um, obsession with uh, Ranger as like a (laughs) as like a as like a character and like as a concept and character. Um, obviously it had a huge impact on everyone because literally that's what inspired the D and D whole character type was, was that's that. And, uh, yeah, that's myself insert fantasy every time. First time I, that's, and you that's know what, who I am. you know what, not to sleep on Legolas, but in the book, they really do like tell uh, the, you know, they really do provide an exceptional background to Legolas's character Yeah, and what he is capable of. So in the movie you take for granted, that he can do all those things, yeah, but in the book, sliding they, downstairs and stuff, shooting. People. I mean, walking yeah. like literally, like walking on yeah. on snow on because top of snow. yeah, look, those little things in the book they're explained so thoroughly. In yep. the movie, he's just a badass. But you got to like, show him. Yeah, he's just a badass, but he's he's quiet. He he's not, you know, brash as Aragorn is, and you know, like like you're just like, oh wow, he's just. He, he like he's like a ninja slash, you know, special forces dude. You know, like that dude is just like if you need somebody to do recon, yes, send Legolas. If you need somebody yep. to, if you need a sniper, send Legolas. Like that that dude can do everything. He really like I I think he doesn't he maybe he doesn't get enough credit just because he was just you know Orlando Bloom at the time. But uh, <laughs> I really do like his character and the relationship that he had with Gimli. Yeah. Uh, was f- I to this day, dude? I still wish that Tolkien had written the adventures of Legolas and Gimli when they went off on their own after after the story yeah. was told. God, that would have been amazing. Chemistry, dude. great chemistry. Amazing chemistry. Such a we're nerding out on the book more than the movie. <laughs> hey, that just shows what a good job they did because they showed all that all that in the actual movie. They did. You know, it came they through. Did. Continuing on. Uh, to our uh, uh, second movie, we have again out, both of these uh, trilogies have the initial title, so I'm, I'm gonna start omitting that. But it's it's just the two towers, 
Continuing the plot of the previous film, uh, it intercuts three storylines. Frodo and Sam continue their journey towards the Mordor to destroy the One Ring, now aided by Gollum, the Ring's untrustworthy former bearer. Merry and Pippin escape their orc captors, meet Treebeard, the Ent, and help plan an attack on Isengard, uh, Fortress of Saruman. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, in their pursuit, come to the war-torn nation of Rohan and are reunited with a resurrected Gandalf before, spoiler alert, before fighting against the <laughs> legions of the treacherous wizard Saruman at the Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Like this. Spoiler is, alert on 1950s book. We we get introduced to Gaudum, uh, Gan- Gandalf the Grey. Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White. Yeah. Yeah, that, that he leveled up. That's the most. That's the explanation. That's the he explanation. He leveled up from one on one in a Balrog. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so our addition to our already stacked list. Basically, everybody from the previous <laughs> list repeats, and we also add Bernard Hill, Miranda Otto, David Wenham, Brad Dourif, and Carl Urban. Carl Urban. That's right. Yeah. Um. So even more. So what I what again what I loved about this movie slash book was the introduction of the ants. I think that the, the 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 trees are so much fun. And again, in the book, uh, you know, they talk about what was it? It was Pippin and Mary and Mary who hung out with the ants, right? Drank their water, smoked their weed, ate their food. He went to the Ent moot. <laughs> That's a moot point, Gabe. <laughs> that sounds like some stuff that happens in Finland. You guys probably still have Ent moots. And yeah, no, like it, it was a, it was a really cool, it was a really cool story. And again, I was really surprised at how well the movie uh, made that work. Because on a time scale, right? Because yeah, it's in the difficult. books, you have all this time where they spend all... It's a long time, it's a right? Long that time. they're doing this. It's a long story arc. And in the movie, you don't have time to show all that, especially because the whole shtick for the Ents is that they talk very slow. They act very slow. You know, they're, they're trees. You know, everything's on a much longer time scale. They ain't got time for that in the movie, but they still manage to capture it. They do. And this came out how long after the first one? So they came out... Uh, it's 2001, 2002, 2003. Oh, they didn't they didn't even avatar it or like uh nope. or Star Wars it, huh? Nope. God, we were so lucky in the early 2000s. And this is literally the beginning of our our podcast of you being allowed to watch normal television and and <laughs> pop well, culture. So, yes, also this got a pass um because it was uh because it was vaguely religious in a Christian sense. Um, oh really yeah it was very referential of christian themes and stuff this i don't know why lord of the rings exactly i'm not i couldn't explain to you why it sort of gets a pass in like christian and catholic circles for its magic its representation of magic okay much more subtle um i think i've seen the arguments that gandalf represents um angel like an angel or some other higher power you don't have like regular mortals wielding magic and doing witchcraft um the ones that try that are evil in the book and that's that's great for christianity's narrative <laughs> that's it real nice um so intentionally or not it sort of kind of just gets a pass okay okay i see you yeah i see you lord of the rings and your witchcraft mm-hmm. i guess yeah when you think about it you're like oh gandalf the white he's the good wizard and then saruman the black he's the bad wizard well it's saruman the white but like it's pointed out that 
well, Gandalf calls him out on it and calls him of many colors or uh, something like that because he 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 turns from the path of righteousness. So okay. it's um yeah, it's it's there's there's a lot of allegory and arcs that you could compare. They're broad strokes. They're in all of like human mythology, mm-hmm. but like Catholicism's like or Christianity broadly was like, aha, see, there's a Jesus allegory. There's a you know, anyway. So yes, I did get to see him. We this was in the era too. I remember this is like this and those uh the Star Wars prequels were some of the last times I can recall like standing in line to get into a movie theater. Oh, wow. Like you'd have to because your seats weren't assigned yet. So you'd have to like if you wanted the good seats, you had to show up early. Right. You had to to get in line to get the good seats. And these were popular enough movies, even a week or two after release, that it was a full house. Um, All right. On to on to number three. So we have Return of the King. Uh, Continuing the plot, Frodo and Sam make their final way towards the Mount Doom to destroy the One Ring, unaware of Gollum's true intentions. While Merry, Pippin, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and their allies join forces against Sauron and his legions from Mordor. The, again, all the previous actors, I'm not going to relist. And then John Noble uh, was credited as the only big change I saw on the list. And again, it's just, uh, it, you know, uh, we there's not much else to say, right? It, it's continuing the story that we've been leading up to this whole time. Yep. Uh, all the same things. I mean, there's there's some some epic speeches and scenes because we're building to bigger and bigger battles. Like yeah, the, yeah. Again, it, it kind of naturally because of the way the book was written and, and that storytelling was good, but also they did an excellent job of building up visually that scale of all these things. Right. Cause in the fellowship of the ring, you have some, some great fights, but they're all pretty small scale, right? You have the fellowship versus couple of enemies at their level. Yeah. And then in the two towers, you have these splits and you have the, you know, the big pinnacle battle. Helm's Deep's a big battle, but that's one faction versus the other. And then the final, you have everybody coming together. You've got those, the Oliphants, the, the, the big elephants. You've got multiple types, uh, multiple armies. Converging. And then you have the epic, like Much bigger. the epic, like both armies clashing into the Charge, middle. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, there will be a day when the courage of men fails speech. From, from our boy Vigo. I believe you gave. I don't remember. <laughs> I haven't forgotten that one. So like it's right at the gates, you know, basically you have the the uh, things are coming to a climax with Frodo trying to like overcome his fear, the effects the, the of the ring yeah, yeah. possessing and trying to be able to do that. And they're they're trying to hold the attention of Sauron at the front gate. So they're charging the Black Fortress like that. <laughs> they're charging against an unwinnable battle at this point, because until the power is broken, they can't. So, you know, you get a stirring speech from from the king who has returned. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> All right. We'll get into more of the details, some of the fun stuff later. Let's jump. Let's jump ahead uh, almost 10 years. Let's jump ahead nine years to 2012 uh, and go to the Hobbit series. So, so before you before you continue, I will say, look, I was I'm a huge fan of both Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit book. I think the Hobbit book is such a fun, fun book. I remember I read that before Lord of the Rings. It it's good. It's it's a fantastic fantasy novel. It's so well written. It's fun. It just has so much going for it. When I heard that it was going to be turned into a multiple movie series, I was very disappointed uh, because it didn't require all of that. Now I did watch all three, um, and I was just as disappointed. I was like, no, you're you're to a certain extent. My original thought was you're milking it. 
because because you can't do much else with this. I, I will say that. I actually read The Hobbit after. So once I read, once I devoured <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, because once I'd finally gotten past that initial block and read it, I went back and immediately read The Hobbit um, and, and appreciate it for what it is as well. Similarly, um, I have to wonder, I didn't dig too much to try to find commentary, but I know that there was discussion with Lord of the Rings um, in the initial pitch. They only got an agreement for two films when they first started writing oh. the script. Uh, studios didn't want to commit to three movies, which is odd because it's three books and, you know, but they didn't want to. And as things got written out and, and, you know, story and planned out, they, they, it moved to three, like, which is great. It should be. It felt like there might've been, and again, this is a pure speculation by me. It feels like it was a reverse effect possibly on this one where people, you go to the studio and you say, I'd like to do this thing. And they're like, Oh, we'll get another trilogy. Right. (laughs) Right. Peter. (laughs) Uh, you're going to do it again. You're going to repeat that, right? <laughs> and again, much like you said, the story doesn't really have enough meat for that. Two films, probably. I could see you not wanting to squeeze it all into one. I could see a break point in the middle and, and you know, do first and second half just to do it justice. You know, you know, instead of having an extended cut come out later, that's twice as long anyway. Um, yeah, do two films, but three does feel like a stretch. So, yeah, uh, I'll shows. say that. I'll say I'll say that. All right, so we have uh, the first one here, uh, The Hobbit, uh, An Unexpected Journey. The story is set in Middle-earth 60 years before the main events of The Lord of the Rings, and portions uh, of the film are adapted from the appendices to Tolkien's Return of the King. Um, so that's where they get some of the other extra content, I think. An Unexpected Journey tells the tale of Bilbo Baggins, who is convinced by the wizard Gandalf to accompany 13 dwarves led by Thorin Oakenshield, on a quest to reclaim the lonely mountain from the dragon smog. For our cast, you you cannot fault the casting for this. Again, they did an excellent job. They did. Uh, we have Ian McKellen, Martin Freeman, Richard Armitage, James Nesbitt, Ken Stott, Kate Blanchett, Ian Holm, Christopher Lee, Hugo Weaving, Elijah Wood, Andy Circus. Yeah, as our top billing. Look, honestly, uh, you know, Ian McKellen, um, Ian McKellen reprising his role. And introducing fantastic. introducing Martin Freeman, fantastic! Like those two nailed yeah, it. Yeah, nailed the entire fucking film. They really did. I also I think a special um, shout out for uh, Armitage being Thorin, because um, that character, I don't know if that's a difficult thing to portray, but I know in the book, like the fact that he's so serious and a little bit aloof compared to his companions, but then he's also it's it comes from a place of like. He feels responsible as mm-hmm. uh, the the outcast king under the mountain. Like he feels a, a responsibility to his his people and all this stuff. So it's it's a burden that he's kind of self. Nobody's holding him to that standard but himself. And he does a great job of portraying a very like serious because a lot of the dwarves in it are pretty gregarious. There's very silly songs that yeah, get yeah, sung. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he maintains his character very well. So again, excellent casting uh, across the board. Yeah, I agree. And again, if you ask me where one movie begins, yeah, no, it's I, I know the story of of the Hobbit, but the movies definitely uh, confuse me a little bit. Despite the aforementioned crazy length of the Lord of the Rings movies, I have watched them more times than I can count. 
I used to read the Lord of the Rings annually. There was a period of time Jesus. for about a decade where I, I would have my annual read of the physical book. I'd sit down and and that would be something I did. And then I, I transitioned to audiobook. Um, and and there's like full ensemble cast acted versions of the audiobook because it's, of course, that popular of a, of a series. Really? Yep. Um, unabridged. I, I don't think I've watched the Hobbit movies more than once. <laughs> I watched them in the in the theater. And then I remember there was the last time I watched one of these was on accident. And I didn't watch the whole thing. I was watching a stream, an NHL hockey stream one night for a game. And normally the streams you find online uh, end when the game's done, they get cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone was streaming uh, their their television channel, I guess, or whatever channel, and the, uh, one of the movies came on. I think it was, I think it was the middle movie. I think it was the second movie, but uh, the Hobbit came on, and I was like, "Oh, I mean, sure, why not?" So I left it on, <laughs> and that was the last time. I'm like you're like, I'm already here. <laughs> that was the last time <laughs> that I watched, and I, it was kind of unintentional. But like, I don't think I've watched the movies uh, in their that's, entirety more than once. That's very funny, by the way. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good anecdote, I thought. So, moving on to the next film, we have The Desolation of Smaug. Follows the titular character Bilbo Baggins as he continues to accompany Thor and Oakenshield and his fellow dwarves on a quest to reclaim the Lonely Mountain from the Dragon Smaug. Pursuing them are vengeful uh, orcs, Azog the Defiler and his son Bolog. While Gandalf the Grey investigates the return of the long-forgotten evil force in the ruins of Dol Guldor. Uh, additions to our cast, uh, Evangeline Lilly, Lee Pace, Luke Evans, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Orlando Bloom. You know what? Uh, again, I will say um, Benedict as Smog, I think, was a really great voice actor. Good. I and, wouldn't and have and thought did, of it, and it worked out. Yeah, and he did the, he did a lot of the motion capture, too, right? Himself. He did. Yeah. He did. He, I do know that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe, but Legolas was not in The Hobbit. I I don't like it's been a while since I read the book, but no, I okay. think that's just a I think that's one of those adaptations where it's like, well, people we're really, going to have a yeah. movie audience that yeah. saw the movies and yeah. we have to okay. have similarly Evangeline Lilly's character. I forget her name uh, as the character was not in the, that's a that's a, a fabricated character. Um, so that will have kind of a, a, a there was that love interest story between her and again, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was Feely or. Keely, I forget which one, um, but like to and give a, a little more audience perspective in a character, you know, for exposition and stuff. I think not a terrible thing to do necessarily, but like again, I know that got a lot of complaint just because it wasn't there. I, I actually have to. I feel like I have to look now. I think Legolas he may have been mentioned, but it was his dad. I want to say it was like Thranduil was the yeah no. But that's what I'm saying. I just wanted to, to call out the fact, and this is where I think the Hobbit loses me where. Because I did like the book so much, and I did like I love the book so much, that when you start to do that to pander is when you kind yeah. of lose me. Yeah, there's no mention of him. So, I think it was you had a character, you had characters, but like I, I think it was his dad. I think it was uh, Thranduil, who is in the movies as well. I think that was kind of one of your main touch points for the the elves of Mirkwood in the uh, in the actual book, The Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. I, I, again, it feels like. Oh, a bit of a there's a bit of a weird split specifically here uh, if i'm recalling correctly the way that the second movie ends and bridges into the th- the third movie is awkwardly done mm-hmm. i want to say i don't remember exactly what what happened i think it has to do with the 
the Dale getting attacked by smog. And it, it's weird that they ended on, I can't remember which side of the thing, the, the movie they, they end up. It's paced oddly. It felt like, well, why did you split there when, cause like there's enough action in the third movie that like, it felt like that could be like, you, you know, I understand what they were doing. Battle of the five armies, which is the name of the next one. Like that's a big centerpiece for that. Like it's weird that they split things out. Okay the way they did. I, I remember feeling like it was an, an awkward way to end the movie. Finally, for our uh, third film, we have the Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, the film story concludes the adventure of Bilbo Baggins and Thorin Oakenshield's company of dwarves who take possession of the treasure beneath the Lonely Mountain as various factions clash over it while Azog the Defiler and his forces make their move. I think another thing that was a bit contentious was there's a there was a distinct difference in how much CGI was used for some of the orcs. Mm -hmm. Like like Azog, I think was almost all CGI uh, as the main nemesis orc guy, whereas much more practical effects were were used in the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay, and it's not that it's bad CGI; it's just that there was a difference in the way things interacted, and it, that kind of also didn't like didn't go as well. So I, I know there's some complaint there for all the practical effects that we know they're capable of from the first trilogy. Like they didn't do as much of it. They they leaned more heavily on CGI. Hmm. But yeah, no, uh, again, I, I remember watching all three of these, uh, much like you saw them once. And that was it. I do remember. And again, as a spinoff, I do remember playing the video game, though. Um, the Hobbit? Yeah, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was based on the movie. I think there was just a game. I think it was separate. Yeah. So again, numerous video games. There was a, a numerous things, a, a ton, because at this time, very popular mobile games and browser-based games. An interesting thing. So Guillermo del Toro was involved in the um, screenplay. I want to say for uh, the Hobbit trilogy, he was initially asked if he would be involved with a game that was a tie-in game. And he wanted to be, but he had a very tight schedule and said if it was going to be released, it wouldn't be concurrent because he he didn't have the time in his schedule. And right. I think that's possibly part of why it wasn't a direct tie-in. Okay. Um, they wanted to, I think. They wanted to monetize that, and then they, they didn't quite. Um, uh, before we move away from the Hobbit Gate, I just want to tell you there is a, f a fun fact that's connected to Finland. Oh? There was a Finnish television series based on Lord of the Rings called Hobbitit. Uh, in 1993 and it was like a six-part miniseries that told nice. the story of it just you know i've seen it uh you know it, it's interesting because i think russia i appreciate that russia also has a a, a film version of the, oh man the book. Yeah. is putin is putin in it how modern is it what what does he no, write this, out this, bare this, chested no no this would have been in the 80s because oh, okay. yeah the 80s had the russian one in the and the <laughs> 90s have uh, had the finnish one I thought it was interesting. Right. I do remember that when I when I went. And again, I think it's why there's a connection of, to like Lord of the Rings to Finland. Like they, they don't they don't produce a lot, Gabe. And when they do, they're very proud of it. Yes, uh, we've seen that. We have to see a, a specifically finished production. Very proud of it. Fantastic. Um, so budget is very interesting here. Uh, both series wildly successful. Just off the bat, like no contest. They they did great. Can I can I get to make a an educated guess and say that yes, all of the Lord of the Rings, uh, the first three all cleared a billion. I'm gonna guess that of the Hobbit, the first one definitely cleared a billion. 
two and three smog and the five armies. If they didn't, they were probably close. But I'm going to say those two are the least successful. They might have cleared a billion, but not not the billion that that the first Hobbit movie and the three Fellowship movies, uh, the three Lord of the Rings movies did. I'm going to make that assumption that they were the Uh, least successful, even though they probably still hit a billion. So it's all a lot closer than you think. Oh, um, oh, for all of them. So production budget for all three of the Lord of the Rings, 281 million. All three of the original Lord of the Rings, 280. Oh, and it's because they did them concurrent. They never stopped. Yeah, yeah. They did those three films under 300 million. And I'm going to assume they cleared 3 billion. They they just barely did, but yeah. So they, oh, they more than 10x their money, which Holy is insane. Shit. Insane at that scale. So 281 million to just over 3 billion. Oh my God. The Hobbit trilogy... 700 million. Oh my God. Just shy of 3 billion. Still wildly successful. Still insanely successful. So, the breakdown, since you brought up the breakdown. So, for Lord of the Rings, the worldwide gross for the Fellowship was just shy of 900 million. Oh. The second one was just like just shy of 950 million. And the third one cleared 1.1. And that's what billion. puts them over three. Oh, I would have honestly thought they all three. And their budgets were almost identical. It's 93, 94, 94. I would have thought that all three of those cleared a billion. For The Hobbit, that, the that, breakdown. That cleared a billion right off the off the jump, huh? The first one cleared a billion right off uh, the yeah. jump. The okay. second two were both just just above, a little bit above nine uh, 950 million. Fuck. God and damn, the, the production crazy. budget was 200 a uh, million, two fifty, two fifty. So what they did with the production of one is what the entire first. Wow, <laughs> the production of the second or third, yeah. That's impressive. Very impressive, and of course, a decade makes a difference in cost. Yeah, yeah, I um, get it. I get you it. You know, there's there's a lot more involved. CGI. Plus, you, know, less... you also had, I think, probably more popular actors at the start because uh, Martin Freeman and Cumberbatch uh, were already. You know, again, you're you're taking people that are already you know more known, perhaps. Yeah, they. they I mean, weren't, um, weren't along they, with weren't they both Sherlock at that point? I think <laughs> Li- so. Yeah. Like literally both of them. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, for the accolades, uh, an interesting point here. So, uh, as mentioned, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, all three movies have above a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The first, uh, the Fellowship, has a ninety-one. Two Towers in 95, Return of the King in 94. Damn. The <laughs> Return of the King won Best Picture, Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, Art Direction, Costume Design, Film Editing, Makeup, <laughs> Original Jesus Score, Christ. Original Song, Sound Mixing, and Visual by itself. Jesus. And th- the first Ooh. film was nominated for like all of those and more and won a few different, uh, won a few same and a few different. The first one won Cinematography, Makeup, Score, and Effects. The second movie only won two. <laughs> so uh, they did a good job. They got, won a lot of awards. They did. My God. The Hobbit, on the other hand, Rotten Tomatoes for the first one, 64. Ooh. For the second one, 74. For the third one, 59. Uh, no wins. Some nominations. Really? No. The third movie was only nominated for Best Sound Editing. And can I say, though, that 
everything you mentioned was towards the movie and not the individual, huh? Like all all the accolades you mentioned were like it wasn't like Viggo Mortensen best actor. Oh yeah, yeah, best. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like no, yeah, the, the movie. award categories. The, yeah, the movie for what it was. I mean, director yeah. is kind of an individual award. Yeah, yeah, okay. I can, um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But it's for the guy in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can I can see that. So yes, it's all based on um uh, on the ensemble on the yeah on the whole production. Uh, some some fun facts. I mean, there's a lot of classic fun facts, right? Like. The scene where Viggo Mortensen kicks the helmet in the two towers when he's distraught because he thinks Marion Pippin might be dead. Uh-huh. He actually broke his toe, right? So that yell in pain when he screams there, he stayed in character, was actually him breaking his toe and being actually in physical pain, not Damn. just emotional torment. <laughs> okay. So that's a classic fact. Sean Bean hates helicopters and would walk up the mountain. <laughs> He would get up hours before everybody else and walk up the mountain so that he only had to ride back down because he was terrified of helicopters. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Viggo Mortensen was very much being a character actor and went everywhere in town when he would be on his off hours with his sword. He would carry his sword with him. Okay. Um, he bought his horse afterwards that he bonded with. He is a he is a horse guy. He's got a, quite a few. He did all his own equestrian uh, stunts, I believe, as well. Um, so those are the classic. I think a lot of people know those. Yeah, so yeah. let's see if there's anything else we have. Um, before filming began on October uh, 11th of 99, the principal actors trained for six weeks in sword fighting with Bob Anderson, riding and boating. Jackson, Jackson hoped such activities would allow the cast to bond so chemistry would be evident on screen. I, I, I guess it worked, as well as getting them used to life in Wellington. They were also trained to pronounce Tolkien verses properly. After the shoot, the nine cast members playing the Fellowship got a tattoo, the Elvish symbol for the number nine, with the exception of John Rhys Davies, whose stunt double got the tattoo instead. <laughs> the film is noted for having an ensemble cast and some of the cast uh, and their respective characters. Uh, anyway, it goes on from there, but that's that's less important. But yeah, I, they were, uh, clearly, again, the chemistry was evident and it continues to this day. You'll see them pop up together. Uh, most recently, I saw for the game Baldur's Gate 3, you had... Uh, Sean Astin and Elijah Wood show up together to play the game. The head of the studio introduced them and they made characters and played the game together. So those guys still just pop up in random fantasy stuff because, you know, they're part of the zeitgeist now okay. <laughs> and they like it. And I just want to defend uh, John Rice Davis real quick. The man was in the Indiana Jones trilogies. He's allowed to uh, not, not, you know, brand himself with every trilogy he's a part of. <laughs> Not every major major production. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, it wasn't he was his funny first too. One. He was particular. So, another fun fact that I think is kind of common is that in fight scenes, he was well known to actually hit full force. Oh, oh. Um, part of that was probably his prosthetics and stuff. Like he was allergic to the latex, and so like he couldn't. <laughs> he'd puff up. He couldn't see as well. Christ. And the stunt people would say that he'd often just be like someone imitating him. One of the actors or one of the stunt people was. I remember seeing a behind the scenes where they were like, he'll just be like, okay, and you stand there and then I'm going to hit you and then you stand there and I'm going to hit you. And then he did. He did all of those things. Um, yeah. Okay. So an interesting, a little bit more expansion on some of the, the film, uh, the, it was going to be two films to three. So uh, the Hobbit, um, there's, there's been a, a long history in Hollywood of trying to pitch this and studios not picking it up or not being able to secure the rights. Um, different uh directors and different um screenwriters all being considered or trying to write 
you know, versions with Jackson. So the, the, the Hobbit got postponed for a later prequel. So Jackson proceeded with making, he wanted to make two or more Lord of the Rings films. We pitched the idea of three films. Miramax didn't want to take that risk, but we agreed on two. He began writing scripts with Walsh uh, and Stephen Sinclair, storyboarding with Christian Rivers and discussing casting ideas with the Weinsteins. Meanwhile, Weta Digital began software development for the digital effects and Weta Workshop were producing props and concept art. Sinclair later dropped out um, of the project, but Jackson felt that some of his contributions survived into the finished scripts, particularly the middle film, The Two Towers, for which he is credited. Um, so as things developed, they were finally able to get it into three films. That's funny. Thankfully. Thankfully, exactly. Man, can you imagine? But yeah, I, I think, you know, this is one of those series too, uh, The Lord of the Rings specifically. Obviously, we talked about how we have not rewatched The Hobbit. I, I'm due for a rewatch of The Lord of the Rings, and I don't know if I have time because <laughs> I have the extended <laughs> cuts. And that's a, a very big commitment. That is, that is, that is not something that I, uh, I would, I would expect that you'd be able to do, but you know what though, you, you have made me think that maybe I do want to reread the books. I think that might, those might be a fun read. I haven't read them, uh, since the early two thousands. The total runtime of the theatrical release of the three, uh, films for Lord of the Rings is 558 minutes. Which the extended is... cut is 683. Oh my god, that is literally an hour and a half more. <laughs> Holy cow. It's, it's like almost it's like another film. <laughs> yeah, I'm going like to I would rather actually reread the book than <laughs> than try to watch what is that uh like 9 to 11 hours? Yeah. So, uh an interesting thing, um our previous guest uh, Cat uh, mentions occasionally the the I think it's the what is the Alamo Brew Brew House yeah the dra- uh, draft the house. draft the house, draft there it house is. yeah I want to say that the reason I've seen that play, the reason I know that is that they've done those marathon showings like an all day show oh. of the and you know they pair it with food and, yeah, and yeah. beverages that are like appropriate yeah, yeah. like there's a, like breakfast tea oh, there's a lunchy nice. there's a dinnery. And like I've always wanted to do something like that, not necessarily there, but like there's places that you know those do those boutique showings of films, and that's like an all day event. Like you go there, you're gonna eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're gonna you know what, Gabe? Ten hours. Let's <laughs> let's end it with this promise: when you're back in Finland, Gabe, we will do a Lord Ooh. of the Rings viewathon. Oh man, you're gonna have to do the menu pairings. Yeah, start working on that now. We, we need to start working on that now, and. uh I'm down, dude. That would be a fun uh, rewatch because we wouldn't. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. end, let's I end like there, it. Yeah, today. let's end it with that. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to find us at Pop Culture Hangfire, and we will see you next time. <laughs>